FBI Studios. This is Truth and Justice, a crowdsourced investigation in real time. I'm Bob Ruff. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Truth and Justice. And I see Jillian looking at me funny. You should take this as a sincere sign of our friendship because normally I record the intro long after the episode. But with since you're here, I'm just going to do it while you're sitting there staring at me. Great. Um, this is an honor <laughs> to be here on on the Truth and Justice podcast. I had a phenomenal time on True Crime Binge. Did we talk about true crime? Not really. Mostly dogs. Not at all. Um, But this is like truth and justice. This is a big deal. I'm very nervous. Thank you very much for having me. (laughs) Well, I'm I'm excited to have you. And that lovely voice you hear right there is Jillian Pensavalli of the True Crime Obsessed podcast. And uh, as last week, I asked you guys what you wanted to hear from in these bonus episodes between seasons. And a whole bunch of you said that you wanted to hear from Jillian Pensavalli. That is wild. I'm sorry to the other millions of you who do not vote for me. I apologize. I'll try to do my best. This is amazing. Thank you. I'm thrilled. I needed like a mental break right now. And like like, I was thinking, I was like, call Jim Clemente or one of these, like somebody who works in law enforcement or a lawyer or somebody. And they're like, we want to hear from Jillian. I'm like... (laughs) I also want to hear from Jillian, oh, so that sounds boy. perfect. Ooh, yeah. Okay, great. I'm. Th- I really am thrilled to be here. I'm incredibly nervous, but this will be great. I hope. <laughs> oh, God. Awesome. Well, after a quick break, we're going to get right into the current events in true crime. This week, we have for sure on the docket. We want to talk about what's going on in the West Memphis Three case. We want to talk about uh, the the Gabby Petito case. And probably dogs mm. and something like that. Definitely and dogs. anything else that comes up right after the break. Great. Texas Ranger James Holland is a legendary interrogator. They call him the serial killer whisperer. You can't hide those indications. And that's why yesterday I knew that he did it. But now, shocking interrogation tapes reveal how the super cop really operates. And that's why they asked me to come in, because I'm special. From something else, The Marshall Project and Sony Music Entertainment, this is Smokescreen. Just say you're sorry. Listen and follow on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Music, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Ford Ranger, a vehicle for all terrains and every passion. It's a workmate, a playmate, and to its drivers, a soulmate. So how do you improve the Ford Ranger? You go all in. The all-new Ford Ranger, the UK's best-selling pickup. Now available with rear bumper steps, tailgate workbench, and enlarged load box that can fit a Euro pallet. Go break it in. Search all-new Ford Ranger. Ford Pro. Driving productivity. According to SMMT data, features may be optional extras with additional cost. All right, Jillian. Uh, first things first, how's things going? With When I talked to you last on True Crime Binge, you had finally gone through a whole process and got a puppy. Yes, Fiona. Or a dog. Right. Fiona. She is... Uh, so you do this quick... Like, this is coming out very soon, right? This is going to come out in like four days. Oh, yeah. great, Carrie. <laughs> She uh, she turns one on October 19th. She's wonderful. Um, she's really coming into herself. I don't know if I told you about her like anxiety issues. She's been dealing with a lot of street noise and some anxiety. Just she's very noise reactive, but she's mm-hmm. very smart. She knows she can like high five. Mike is very, very good at training her. She's very adorable <laughs> and sweet. But today, for example, just like if you are following Fiona's anxiety journey, I was taking her for a walk this morning. 
and some horrible person who I will hate forever turned his motorcycle on and revved it as loud as he could right next to her. Every dog on the block was like, dude, what the fuck? Normally she would be like earlier when we of the first couple months, she would like drag me home. If that happened, she was so terrified, uh-huh. but she kind of cowered and looked up at me and sat down and I comforted her and she was like, all right, I got to poop anyway. So like we can totally do this. So that's, um, <laughs> she's doing great. She also spent, uh, uh, if you listen to TCO or the Hamilcast or whatever, I would mention Pete and Alfie a lot. They are the pups that live at my parents' house. Alfie's no longer with us. We lost him a couple months ago, but Pete and Fiona love each other and they had their first sleepover recently. Um, oh, a nice play date sleepover. It went amazingly well. Pete is 10. Fiona is barely one. So I did the math. And of course, like seven years in dog year is not really a thing anymore. Scientists are like, that's bullshit, where it's like every human year is seven years in dog years. Uh No, the calculation is it's like a 14-year-old trying to party with a (laughs) 66-year-old. And that's exactly... Once I saw them hanging out, Pete like just loved her and they had fun. But, you know, Fiona's like like a teenager trying to be like, let's party, let's do this. And Pete's like, I will for a little, but I'm 66. Yeah, that is – so we're, we're seeing that over my neighbors. I don't remember where I was at in the saga of my neighbor dog that had, – had we had to put her down when I oh, talked to you last time? Oh, no. I don't think so. I would have – I listened to our episode, but I, I for sure would have remembered feeling sad oh. or maybe I blocked well, this it This is out. a bummer though. Oh, I'm so sorry that <laughs> right. happened though. God damn it. Yeah, she was she was very old and, and, and so so – but it was another awkward – for those of you that don't know, my neighbors have a dog that just roams free. We live in yeah. a weird – it's like a subdivision, but it's a sub like there was a like a thirty acre plot of land that was split into four houses. So it's a subdivision, but we're way out in the country. And Super easy to get murdered. Just, dark, no, like nothing yeah, for miles. For sure, miles. Yeah, 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 yeah. But the uh, the their dog just just ran all around the neighborhood. Just she was like the neighborhood dog, and then and and, and nobody in the neighborhood were really dog people except us. And so when we moved in and she just like literally walked into our house the first day we were moving in love her. and she got so much love and we have a dog door for our dogs. So she just moved in and of for course. a year and a half, she, she lived with us and would only go over to their house if they were home because they kept her outside in the kennel, like in their garage. Oh, yeah. No, not cool. Yeah. She slept in our bed. But anyway, she ended up having to be put down Aww. and and we were very heartbroken. My wife actually – so my wife got a tattoo of her. There was a picture of the two of them like sitting on the deck. Yeah. And she got like a, a tattoo that is like that picture exactly. I took it because it was funny because the way they were sitting, they were sitting right next to each other. Yes. And like – their butts looked the same sitting like sure, like, like that Snoopy like, Charlie yeah. Brown thing, that image of like yeah. the two like on the bench. Oh my god! I'm always uh, I would love to see that photo of the tata- uh, of the tattoo is what I almost said. I would love to see the photo of that <laughs> tattoo because I think it's sometimes a little difficult to get dog tattoos. Like sometimes they don't always translate. You need the right artist or the right image. So I would love to see that. Uh, that photo that's really sweet i'm gonna see if i can if i can arrange that real quick thanks uh how and how are your pups they're good they're great very good, good. and the and the neighbors got uh, a new puppy they got it's it's some kind of a bulldog i'm not sure but it's the kind that's really short squatty and fat and has a huge uh, like great. The, the big the underbite you jaw. can see like the fangs going under yeah 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 her name's nala and she's adorable and she's super fat and she, and and she is our like we're trying to not have this awkward situation where she comes to our house again, but every time we no. walk by, like my son gets dropped off at the end. Our, we live a half mile off the main road, and that's where his bus drops him off. I don't know so how you he do it. walks. 
<laughs> so he, when he walks by the dogs, and their other dog is a huge English Mastiff, always go running out. And then he plays with them. And then they follow him all the way home into the house. And then my dogs are chasing her back out of, of the house. How, but here's she a question. is super adorable. How many listeners do you think you've lost just by them looking down at their phones and saying, I press play on truth and justice, right? Yeah. We're going to get into us. some heavy crime stuff. But if you and I didn't talk about dogs for a minute, then it wouldn't be you and me talking. Because I remember doing it when, after True Crime Binge or at, towards the end of it, we were like, all right, well, well, I'll come back on True Crime Binge and we'll actually talk about true crime. So I guess this is sort of that version of it. Now we're doing it. Right. You know, this is the part right. two, I guess. That's it. Wait, <laughs> hang on. I'm, I, I had texted my wife and asked her to send me a picture. Oh, there, there it is. How do I get the? Oh, I have an idea. If I pull this over here. Okay, and then I go to, oh, I cannot minimize Zoom. I minimize that. Where did it you go? You could just put your phone up to the Zoom, no? Like old school? Yeah, that would work or you if could I just text it to my me. phone on me. Oh, oh. Oh, wait, wait. Just text it to me. I have an idea. That's what I'm trying I'd to happy to have. I'd be happy to have your wife's number. I'm sure she's like, enough already with the dogs. <laughs> wait, I ha- hang on. Watch this. Uh, share screen. Share and then boom. So there oh is my god, the picture and the tattoo. That is isn't that cute? Really, really great. That is like a perfect rendering of the actual photo. That's very, very sweet. Yeah, that is in my friend Zach's shop, who is also on all, all of our follow ups. Oh, now yay. I wonder if I can figure out how to. Yes, oh, yes. of course. Stop That's share. very, very sweet. There we go. Okay, so enough of, enough about dogs, but that's what's going on. Also, people, make sure you keep your dogs up to vaccinations. Um, just a little public service announcement. I know I don't know about yeah. out there, but around here, there's like a horrible kennel cough going around. And yeah, I, I'm very big into humans around. being vaccinated and also dogs being vaccinated. Humans too, I think, is very important. Yeah, to be also vaccinated. humans get vaccinated, yeah, right? That's right. Yeah. But especially dogs. Yeah. And, and human. I mean, you, normally, if like pre twenty twenty, <laughs> I'd be like, it's all about the dogs getting vaccinated. But now right, I'm like yeah. fifty, but they're like kind of both. They're both important. right. All right, so let's get into. I want to talk about. So for those of you that don't know that haven't listened to True Crime Binge, and you're not my friends, if you haven't, that, then you you may not know that Jillian is, and I share a mutual friend. She is a longtime friends with Damien Eccles, and she doesn't talk about it a lot because you don't want to. She always tells me she doesn't want to like use her friendship with Damien, but now you have some insight, inside info. I hope because you know, following the case right now, we t- we did a follow up on this not too long ago, where the you know we've had this ongoing saga of us trying to get the evidence tested in their case, and then the new DA Cressman came in and and first was going to do it, and then said that they couldn't find it, and then said it was destroyed, and then Damien's legal team filed uh, FOIA requests for them to give all the information on when and where and how it was destroyed and on whose orders, which they completely ignored, which is illegal. Yep. <laughs> yep. And and you you guys recently on, on True Crime Obsessed had, had Damien on the show, right? Yeah. So uh, when we spoke on True Crime Binge, which really wasn't that long ago, I was still right. very much I, – I mean, the, one of the big things we talked about when we were talking about this case was – why TCO will never cover West of Memphis because True Crime Obsessed, we mm-hmm. cover true crime documentaries, right? So I was like, we're not going right. to do that. It's way too close. And I don't want to feel, I don't want any, I don't want to sound like I'm exploiting anything. Like, I don't know if I could get through it. And then 
right around the time of the 10th anniversary of of the three boys, now men, getting out of prison, all of this stuff started happening with the FOIA and Mm -hmm. I was getting blocked by the governor and uh, all this shit. And so Damien and I were texting and he was like, if you ever wanted me on like TCO, I like, I think that could be very helpful. And so I always said to him, like he and Lori were always like cover West of Memphis. We trust you. We get it. Fuck everybody else. Like do the case. And so I, I, it was me, it was me always saying like, I just really don't feel right. And then when all of this stuff started happening, when he was like, you know, if you ever would want to interview me to talk about the case, like maybe that's a way if you don't feel comfortable, we can get around it. And I was like, well, why don't we do both? Because West of Memphis really is one of the one of the most highly, if not the most requested documentary that people want us to do. And the minute they hear that we're sure. friends, they understand why I would want to cover it. But they also do want my input more or they just want other people to learn about the case. And the thing about mm-hmm. True Crime Obsessed, which I love and and appreciate and are, I'm so grateful for, is that people will sort of use our coverage of it as a way to get people interested or awareness about other cases because it's not as heavy as some other or right. as dense as some other things are. So we it happened like really fast. We changed our whole schedule. You know, Damien was moving to New Orleans that week. We were going to do it in person and then we did it remotely and we did West of Memphis finally for the first time, you know, for, for the first time. Uh, we finally did it and we did it in two parts because it's two and a half hours and it's 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 the, my only critique is that it's too short. And uh, and I mean that truly. There's so much stuff to cover. And so we did it. Uh, we recorded it. And then we had like a Zoom recording slash interview hang with Damien so he can tell us the updates on the case. And that was back in August. So things have definitely changed. That was about a month ago. And it was also really nice for Patrick to interact with Damien and meet him and also mm-hmm. to see my interactions with him. And it's one of those things. And I know you totally get this. It's people are are fascinated by him and they're fascinated by him and Lori. And you can explain it as much as you can about the warmth and the kindness and just how smart and they just make you want to be better people. And that comes through in everything that they do. But it was really cool to have a very old dear friend of mine also meet and hang out with someone who is a new-ish but like very close big part of my life uh, in very mm-hmm. different ways and have them come together to talk about this thing and get this word out, get the word out more about something that we really need to not lose sight of and not, you know, let let we have to keep the light on it, as you know. Yeah, you know, I haven't talked to Damien since they went to New Orleans. How did they were they still were they down there during the whole hurricane that just went through? They left uh for a little bit. They're back now. Mm-hmm. I don't want to tell too many tales out of school, but if you're on his Patreon, uh you know all of this too, but they went, you know, they went to Texas, I believe, and now they're back and Damien's Patreon is like incredibly interactive. He's constantly mm-hmm. doing videos and live stuff and so he was always updating get you know sending the emails just like hey you know i'm supposed to do this video but i can't right now because i'm in this motel with like not the best wi-fi but i'll be back and everyone's like dude just like be safe and be careful like don't worry about it um but yeah they are uh they are safe and sound like i can tell you that yeah that, that's good to know. So when you had a Montecio, it was probably before because the, the latest update, and and you may know more than me. I mean, I just 
I bet, you know, Lonnie Sowry, who's kind of there, you know, handles their public relations stuff. Lonnie sends me stuff all the time. And it's, as far as I know right now, it seems like the state is still just completely ignoring the requests yes. to even say, like, again, what they asked for is, if you destroyed it, we want to know when. We want to know on whose orders. Right. Uh, I think I talked about on, on my update on the case, if I haven't, I think I did in the follow-up, but Mara Levert, who wrote the book, um, The Devil's Not, she filed requests because, you know, the, the, their first story was all the evidence burned in a, in a fire in one yep. of the West Memphis police buildings. And she did a request with the fire department, which was sneaky and smart, yep. and found out there never was a fire. There was a, there was a fire in a storage shed that that stored chlorine, right? And it was uh, like it was so small it was put out by employees. And like no harm, no fat. Like it was just put out very quickly, yep. and there was no. Which is also like, wow, is that the only thing you have on record? I mean, wow, Arkansas could do one thing right, which I guess is like not have a lot of fires. But yeah, yeah she uh, she's amazing, and we we talked about her and and that exact request with Damien saying like, mm-hmm. God, she's on top of it. Yeah, I wouldn't, have, I wouldn't, even, especially as a fireman, it wouldn't even occur to me because we're trying to get all this information out of the police department that's stonewalling us. And she went the other way and went to the fire department and found out you're lying that that never happened. Right. So a, a big deal for those of you that don't know for the ten year anniversary was part of Damien and Jason and Jesse's uh, Alfred plea was. They were on probation for 10 years after after they were released. So that really restricted them in a lot of ways in, in what they could do and couldn't do. And even, even, even to the point of not feeling super comfortable even talking so much about the case, although Damien, I think, more so than any of them, was, was more outspoken about what was going on. Jason, Jason too. Yeah. But then in uh, this August, once the 10 years passed, now their probation is over. And and they're you know they're they're no longer held to any restrictions whatsoever. And the the latest thing that Damien has done has is to file a lawsuit against uh, the the state of Arkansas. I don't know if it's against the state of Arkansas or against Crittenden County or who exactly it's against, but he's filed a lawsuit against them for destroying his evidence. So he's now they're really in a pickle. <laughs> well, I I mean it, yeah, that's one word for it. Yeah. Well, I mean, it was it was a brilliant legal move. And I don't know if it's Damien. He talked to me a little bit about he was thinking about doing it because he's, you know, he said that part of their Alfred police said that, you know, they couldn't sue the state. They couldn't right. sue them for their time they were incarcerated. But it also said they had to maintain the evidence. And, and the way he put it was, you broke the contract. If you're saying you destroyed my evidence, you broke the contract. And so I'm suing you. Yeah. I could not agree more. This is what we talked about with Damien on in our interview on on True Crime Obsessed. It's like the the Damien, Jason and Jesse held up their part of the deal. Right. The mm-hmm. state did not. And part of that was that like they had to, like you said, hold on to the evidence. And there have been so many times where that, you know, that, you know, Damien or, or Lonnie or someone would say, like, here's something on a silver platter, like, look into it. And they right. wouldn't. And so there were so many things like that's how, you know, I, I would uh, I tweeted at Governor Hutchinson, who one day decided to tweet about how grateful he is for some shitty fucking salad. It was like super wet and gross. And he's like, so grateful. And I was like, <laughs> cool. So uh, can you respond to any of the motions or requests? Because the thing about and you know this probably more than I do, it's like in Arkansas, when you file a FOIA or a motion, they have to respond. And I think it's three business days. And it's been three days, yeah, months. And I was like, as mm-hmm. I'm sure you know, as the governor, that is in uh, violation of the Alfred plea, and it's in violation of Arkansas state law. So if you could just respond, that would be fantastic. Also, enjoy your sad-looking salad. And 
then I posted it on Instagram and then I like suddenly wasn't allowed to tag him in anything anymore. And, but I do have to say like, you know, this too, the listeners of true crime obsessed have been, cause I say like call people, write emails, right. People are, are sending me photos of all the letters, like their letter writing campaign. They are on mm-hmm. the West Memphis police, the, their Instagram, their Facebook, all the comments. Cause the, the West Memphis police are just like, Hey, like happy back to school. And everyone's like, cool. How about a response about the evidence? And I've said to them, like, just, I know you're angry. I'm furious. I know you want to yell at them. They will find any way to avoid this. Just respectfully ask questions that they should have answered already. That's all we're asking for. We're just asking for a response for something that they should have acknowledged a long time ago. Like, we have every right Right. to do this. And people ask people from like, not in this country or like, what can I do? I feel like I don't have any, any say in this. And I'm like, no, like they respond to attention. Like Damien and I were on the Arkansas news, not together, but we were like interviewed separately about this. And it's amazing that people are still caring about it. And I'm like, just nicely. It's like, you don't even have to be nice. Just don't scream at them. Like you could just be direct and say like, where's the, like, like answer us. And when I call them, I get the runaround every time, every time it's like, well, uh, uh, spell that name again. And I'm like, are you telling me you've never heard the name Damien Eccles? Get the fuck out of here. Like they're just bouncing you around from office to office. It's any way to throw your hands up. Oh, that's not me. Nope. No, no, that's not my department. You got to call somebody else. But as you know, the listeners are rallying. They are not letting this go unnoticed at all. And the comments, I mean, West Memphis police turned off comments on their Instagram, like after our episodes with Damien came out and the interview or the episodes of West, uh, West of Memphis and the interview, people were nicely saying like, cool pick. Also, we're really looking forward to this kind of update. And they had to, they were limiting comments and deleting comments and doing all this shady stuff. And like, you can't do that if people are paying your, your, you know, their tax dollars are going to your salary. You can't like turn off people's comments. That's illegal too. So I don't know why they're just running up this like laundry list of shit that they're doing to silence everybody, but like, we're not going to stand for it. Well, I, I like that strategy. And so for, for my listeners, yeah, we've done, did a lot of letter writing and emailing and calling when Ellington was in. And Ugh. that's what got him to agree to do the testing. Uh, he, we, we actually had him shut down his public social media, uh, yeah, the, Facebook that, because it was getting blasted so much. That dude's number is still in my phone. Ugh. Ugh. Yeah. But th- th- I like the idea of going to, if there are still comments allowed anywhere, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, for the West Memphis police, for Crittenden County, for the the, uh, the governor, for Governor Hutchinson, any of them, if calling and writing, then yeah, comment on their public posts. I, I think that's a great idea. We'll give them another wave of it. There's 100,000 people listening right now. Yep. I'm sure we could give them a nice big another wave yeah. of of uh, comments for that. If nothing else, make them have to go through and delete all those comments and and, and it's like, OK, so some work to do. It's interesting how, God, what a fucked up world we live in where it's like, well, if they deleted the comment, at least they saw it. So does that count as them right. like seeing the comment if they feel that they have to delete it? And it's just just ask the question, like, what do you plan on making a statement about this or what's your what's the next move for you about this? I mean, no one I haven't seen anyone uh, being aggressive or or me or, you know, and fuck that. Like, you know, it's like what uh, it's anyway, Bob, I know you get it. I, is it, what, what I tell people is is don't give them a reason to call you a troll and quit. But I'm not I'm not for 
for the truth and justice rebels, I'm not going to tell you to be nice. Right. Uh, be, be uh, for example, I don't think it would be terrible to say, are you kidding me? When are you going to do this? Like, what is the matter with you? Yeah. I don't care about this. Why, you know, because what I, what I want is for the other people in West Memphis, when they're looking at their police department Facebook page, when they look at a post to see all these comments enough to make them start wondering what the fuck is going on. For like, sure. What are you guys doing? Why are all these people so upset? What are you doing? And and I I still want to. They've gotten so lucky with COVID because for from the beginning of since the time the TV show aired last March, I've been wanting to uh, to organize to get all the people, you know, my audience and your audience, everybody to actually go to West Memphis and sit at the the steps of the courthouse and and go to their their council meetings in their in their fire board meetings and their or fire board. That's where I used to work for. The, Still, you know, the, we'll, the we'll sit there too, meeting. Bob. I'll, I'll meet you there. Yeah, like, we'll whatever. sit anywhere we'll, and make public comment and just keep pushing. But you know, when I mentioned them being a, in a pickle earlier, the, the brilliant move that was just made by Damien and his legal team by filing this lawsuit. So what they've done is they claimed the evidence is destroyed. Right. And and I'm still under the belief that that's bullshit and it hasn't been destroyed. That's been my belief since the very beginning yeah. when you look at the way it was said. But besides that, so they're saying it's destroyed. So now Damien has filed a lawsuit that is suing them for destroying the evidence, which means now they have to go into a court mm-hmm. and they have to defend that. So they either have to say, yes, we destroyed it and therefore it, just just submitting to the lawsuit because they're not – it's very clear they're not allowed to do that. Or they have to say – well, it's not destroyed, so you don't win, which then acknowledges the evidence still exists. I mean, they back themselves. I mean, what kind of – these are lawyers. What kind of an idiot backs himself in, up into a corner like this? Uh, Terry Hobbs with Natalie Maines. It's Terry Hobbs and Natalie Maines all over again. And I'm like, you right. love to see it. And also, like, yes, COVID is a thing, but Hutchinson is making COVID in like a thousand times worse than it needs to be in that state. And like, mm-hmm. that's a whole other thing. But this is like they kind of I mean, I hate to give Terry Hobbs credit for fucking anything, but it's that it's that same move. It's like, okay, yeah, let's 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 play this out in a court of law. He didn't know he was doing that. Natalie Maine's lawyer was like, okay, I don't know if you know what you're doing here, but we will happily get you to be deposed for the first time ever. So it's you know, it's it's incredibly frustrating and it does feel I don't know how you feel about this, but it does feel a little like there's movement. It is it's always maddeningly frustrating, but it does feel like there's been a bit of a shift in terms of the eyes on it and that they're kind of they're getting so desperate. I I mean I and I think the state's always been desperate, but tell me if you agree like it's kind of they're almost there's almost nowhere to turn anymore for them. I feel like it's I feel like it's come yeah, like it's coming to an apex. Like we're just getting you know, we're in a, in a triangle just getting further and further and further where there's less ways for them to dodge. And it's funny because when I interviewed Damien, when we did the our update episode a couple months ago, he said that he 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 said, you know, I'm excited about this something. And and at the time I was like, are you fucking crazy? Like this, they just they're 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 stonewalling. They're, they're claiming they mm-hmm. got rid of the evidence. But he had the foresight to know, like. They have now taken – there's all these different ways out and all these different things they can do and hoops they can make it jump through. But by claiming the evidence was destroyed, they now have taken away all other avenues and there's now one way out. And it's going to be in a a civil courtroom Mm. where they have to explain either 
why they lied about destroying the evidence or why they destroyed the evidence. Yeah. And it's gotten it outside of the criminal court. And it's a whole new set of judges and a whole new set of circumstances now because they backed themselves just like Terry Hobbs did when he tried to sue Natalie. I think Maines. He's going to get a zillion dollars from Natalie Maines. Meanwhile, he's paying her legal bills and she's like, all right. Um, I, I also still don't in the most cynical way. I probably said this on true crime binge too. like in the most cynical way. I just can't understand that there's not anyone new who wants to be a hero. Like there's no one like right. it's amazing to me that not a single person's like, you know what? Fuck this. Like no one has just sort of made a record scratch or turned the car around or done anything that's like, wait, wait a second. You did what? Can you for imagine? how many years? Like, wh- doesn't anyone want to be a hero? Even like, like, can you imagine like Burnett, that piece of shit? But he could like easily be like, you know what? I was wrong. All the- and we would hate him anyway. But at least like, right. Doesn't anyone want to be on the right side of history? It baffles me that there's not some cool young person trying to like make a name, even in the most cynical way, even if it's only for their benefit. Like, I- it right. baffles me. Well, and I keep thinking too, like, what? A- one good thing we have going for us that's bad for us right now in the short term is that Cressman says he doesn't want the job. Like he was appointed. He's not running for reelection. Has he said that? So, oh, I missed that. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. So that's part of why he doesn't. It's it's harder to influence him because he doesn't want. He has said on record that he doesn't want the job. <laughs> that he was only filling it. He was appointed to fill in for Ellington when he took the judgeship. <sighs> and so but the good news is that means there's an election coming. And that hero you're talking about. Right. Imagine if some D.A. comes out and says. Vote for me and I will settle this case. Vote for me. I will test the evidence. I will bring some honesty to this case for the first time in, in 28 years. I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to shine a light where it's never been shined before. Yeah. The voting that, you know, just, I mean, how much money would he get in campaign funds from people around the world to wake up? The people that are that are in that voting district. Do you do we know who? I'm sorry, I'm super out of it in terms of Arkansas politics. Is there like someone in the running? Also, is there a woman involved? Because I feel like she would. I, I think it's too far away. I I'm not positive, but I. Th- I is I it think too it's late for me to t- establish residency in Arkansas? <laughs> to maybe just- I don't think so. <laughs> I don't think so. And imagine the yard you could get there for your for uh, Fiona to look. Run I know. I know, but also I'd be like, oh, Arkansas. Even Damien and Lori would be like, it's not worth it. It's not worth it. No, no, no. We could do this from afar. It's all good. It's all good. Yeah, don't do yeah, it. Yeah, like any better it. did it from Seattle. Like, oh, we'll figure it out. Yeah, but, I, but you know, there's got to be someone. And I think that's another, you know, it, it sucks to think that it's going to be, it could be another year or two. I, 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 I Don't quote me on this, but I think it's 2022 is when the election will be. Yeah, that'll make be sense. next year. Yeah. And if if that's the case, I mean, we can find a candidate. There's, I guarantee there's someone listening to this right now and surely listening to your guys' show with a huge audience that is an attorney yeah. in Arkansas in that district that could run and yeah. have some, you know, it's, it's, it sucks that we have to think this far outside the box to just try to get some goddamn justice, yeah. but, you know, we're willing to do it. There's probably some cool, like, smart young woman who's been silenced by the fucking good old boys down there. Yeah. You know? Man, like, how mad would they be? Ooh. How mad would they be if we get if we get like a woman of color? Del- oh, delicious, run delicious tears. I'll get drunk off it every day. Yeah. Like, mm, right. <laughs> amazing. It would be fantastic. Yeah. But that's something I think that, that should be seriously thought about once we get into start getting into an election cycle. Because at some point, something's got to give here. Something's got to give. And, and hopefully the lawsuit does it. 
Have you before we move on to, to the? We want to talk about the Gabby Petito case. Um, how's how's Damien doing now with all this? I mean, he seemed like in the last time I talked to him, he seemed in surprisingly good spirits about the direction things are going. Yeah, I mean, based on and, and this is all you know. I'm not telling tales out of school. It's all stuff that we spoke about, like on mic. But it's for him. I think it's very much like I did like 18 years and 76 days. Like there, I mean, he's out mm-hmm. now. Right. And it, of right. course, there's there's no justice that can be served. It's just some kind of closure or just them doing the right thing. So I think the fight is that I know the fight is still there. The fire is still there. And I just keep thinking, you know, when we watched when we did West of Memphis on TCO, I'd, I hadn't watched it in a long time. And I think the mm-hmm. last time. I watched it was when I think when Mike and I went to a screening with Damien and Lori and then they did a talk after, but I hadn't watched it in a while and it was wild. I mean, it was really hard to watch and I got super emotional. You know, uh, there, mm, there was a lot of pressure for me to do the right thing. And also people want the show to be funny and we don't try to be funny. And I'm like, ah, I don't know how this is going to go. But I, you know, got super emo. I felt like my chest get real heavy and I get real like I was mm-hmm. super mad. And but I do something that sticks out is Eddie Vedder saying at one point, like when he joined the fight, it was get him out in like six months. Like it's so obvious, right? Like they have to be out yeah. soon. And then he's like, and then <laughs> the more I worked, I learned that on average it's like fifteen ish years and. He said if he knew that going into it, he he didn't know if he would be if he would be able to fight as hard knowing the road ahead, which I disagree right. with. I think Eddie Vedder is uh, an angel on this earth and I think he would fight. I mean, he still is. So mm-hmm. but it, it is it's I, I'm reminded of that on days like this when we're talking about it. And it's like it, there's got to be like there's got to be an end to this tunnel and. It just feels like there was one, right? So we got through that. And that took 18 years and 76 days. And we've only fought for 10 years for this new fight. So I, like, I'm, I'm ready to go. Like, you know, we ride at midnight and let's do this. And now we have all these different resources and more people knowing about it. And just like, I don't know, I'm ready, Bob. You want to <laughs> you come in with or what? Yeah, 100%. Yeah. And <laughs> yeah, of course I, and, you are. And as I like to say, I guarantee you I'll bring an army with me. Uh, same. Let's go. Let's go. Okay. Now I want to move on and talk about some uh, some of this happening like right now. It's going on as we speak. It's it's changing by the day. A case everybody's talking about. I, I want to point out first, and then we'll talk about it later. That that there's a there's an overarching issue. We're going to talk about the Gabby Petito case. But one thing that has really struck me about this is why this particular case has got so much attention, which is not that it doesn't deserve the attention, but there are so many missing persons cases and particularly with women of color that, that seem to go ignored by the masses. So uh, I just want you to know, as we get into this, cause I know that I know a lot of my listeners are very like immediately thinking like, what about everyone else? I just want you to know that we're going to be talking about that. Yeah. I brought my soapbox, everybody. Don't worry. It's just, it's right here, but yeah. I, I brought it. Yeah. It, I'm, I'm going to talk about some details of this case, and then I'm going to turn on Jillian's mic, and then she's going to go on, <laughs> go off about the rest. Keep of my it. mouth shut for a little bit. But this case, I didn't really, you know, I've seen, I've seen the case on. Somebody actually asked me about it in our follow up last week, and I wasn't even, 
I don't, I've, I've, I, I used to be a news junkie and over the last like six months, like I just can't anymore. I'd like, yeah. if, if nothing horrible. <laughs> Why is like, like I, horrible shit happening or. Yeah. I'm like not on social media anymore. Did it only take you I'm until not, six I mean, months ago? I remember like, like, yeah, like there was someone else in the white house. I can't remember his name right now, but it was like a sense of dread <laughs> where every day yeah. I would wake up and just be like, Oh God, what now? Like, so, Oh, yeah. I, I was same same way all during all during that dude's presidency. Even I, so I'm staunchly independent, and so I'm like I, I'm just disgusted all the time by everyone. Sure. All the t- oh, there's plenty to be mad about, station. Bob. There's plenty to be mad about. Oh yeah. So I just so anyway, my point being is that I I don't watch much news hardly at all. I might like I finally taken to like I only turn on our local news pretty much to see the weather in the morning, and and that's so I wasn't familiar with the case when someone asked me about it last week. And then, but then obviously there's more and more. I started looking into it and the case was, the case is crazy. So uh, for anyone that has been living under a rock and, and isn't aware of the situation, what's, what happened was uh, 22-year-old Gabby Petito, who was living with her boyfriend and his parents, they say they're engaged. I don't know if they really were engaged. But she's 22 years old. They were living in Northport, Florida, uh, and they decide to take this cross-country trip, Gabby and her boyfriend, in her, in her van. And so they leave on the trip in June. And I'm just going to go through. I, I wrote down a real quick brief timeline because that this is the part I really wasn't aware of these details, how this all shook out. But Gabby, Gabby's parents live in New York and she she keeps regular contact with them, text messaging and stuff. And, and she's I don't know if she was like an influencer before or if she was an aspiring influencer. Do you, do you know, Jillian? I, I know that she was like chronicling her trip on her Instagram. I, uh, from what I have learned recently is that. The YouTube channel and the social media started because they were going to be like adventurers. And I think it's like van life or something like that. So I, right. I could be wrong, but yes. I, I don't think she was an influencer before this horrible thing happened. Right. But but they were, she was like aspiring to be. That's what, you know, they were going to document. They were going to document their van. trip. Yeah. Yeah. And so they, t- they take off in June. And basically the contact, the, the family has regular contact with them. And then, and then things start to turn. Around August twelfth. So on August twelfth, there's a they have a police encounter in Moab, Utah. And, and this is one thing I'm, I, I haven't been able to get clear on. We just found out yesterday. We actually heard that there was a nine one one call where someone had called and reported the two of them being in a domestic violence situation. And they actually said in the nine one one call that that Brian was slapping her while they were walking down the street. Oh God! What I don't know. Jesus. What I don't know is if that's what prompted the stop in Moab or if those were two isolated incidents. I haven't I haven't seen what – some people listening probably know. Do you know if – I I don't. I, one I, became for the other? I, I, I didn't watch that uh, – the body cam video. I don't – yeah, I don't know about that. I, I watched some of it. So, so a friend of the show, Jim Clementi, was just on the news um, yeah. on CNN, I think, last night and was uh, doing a profile from watching the body cam. And he's just disgusted, and we should all be huh. by that, because they were – essentially, you have both both Brian and Gabby saying that, oh, well, we were just fighting, and we're in love, and we don't want to file charges. It, meanwhile, you can see in the, in, the, in the the body cam video is an hour long. I haven't watched it all. I watch a good portion of it. My wife went through the whole thing, and she was just talking about it with me before I came out here to record. And there's like you can see there's there's a very emotional Gabby when she's in the backseat she's crying. The screenshots I've seen where she looks yeah like a a 
person in distress. Yeah. And it's and what Jim was pointing out on on um, on I think it was CNN last night was that like she's exhibiting classic signs of coercive control and these are things that the officer should have picked up on that that you know she's while she's saying oh no we're in love we don't want to file charges she's very emotional she's upset he has cl- like scratch marks and fingernail marks on him there's a call at some point that says he's slapping her. They were the van was swerving down the road when they, you know, was presuming they were physically fighting while they were driving down the road. And then the officer is talking to them and he's, there's something to be, I don't want to be too hard on the guy. Hindsight's 2020 and there is something to de escalating a situation, but he wasn't reading the signs. And so he's, he's talking to Brian about how, oh, I know my wife has anxiety and sometimes and it's hard to deal with. They're not even married, right? They're not married. Right. No, they're saying they're engaged. Okay. Um, uh, but but he's like he's kind of like giving not like it matters. I'm Brian sorry, even though it. saying that, but it's like why are you lying about like what relate like what your relationship is even like what? Yeah, no, no. I'm sorry. The, the police officer was saying that. Like Brian is telling him, "Oh, we're fighting. She has anxiety. She flips out, and <sighs> yeah, but we're she's okay. so hysterical. Yeah, I know. Yeah." And then the yeah, and then the the cop is like, oh, dude, I know. and it's like the total like misogyny you're hearing. Is that true that the cop actually logic. says like, oh, dude, I know. Tell me about it. Is that real? Yeah, I mean, don't. That's not a quote, but but that's the way I yeah. took it. Is yeah, he's yeah. he's telling him he's like, oh, dude, I, like I know, you know, my wife has anxiety and she gets amped up and it amps me up <laughs> oh, and yeah, I get I it. I know women with feelings the, are just so threatening. I know, I know, it's so hard. Oh, it's horrible. And so the the cop is treating him as a victim in all this. Meanwhile, she they're both they both say no, we don't want to file charges. So their solution is I'm not gonna file charges. We're gonna we're gonna pay for and get Brian a hotel room tonight. And you can go sleep in your van or do whatever, and you guys should just separate for a night and you still have your phone and then everything'll be good. And so then that's how they that's how they let the cop fist bumped him at the end of the when he when he left. He's like, All right, dude, you know, and they, there's a fist bump. Ooh. On the body cam. <laughs> that this is, and I can only imagine. Mm. Like I said, I mean, it's very. I mean, there's there's certainly a ton of behaviors there that are just completely unacceptable. I can only imagine how that cop feels now, knowing what happened next. Um, I don't but, care. I mean, God. that that should be yeah. that should be in training. Look, I I say this. I, I said this on on True Crime Obsessed to Patrick once, and he was like, "Oh my God!" And now it's something that we say. It's if you're a woman. You're in a bar, you're at a party. I don't know. You're at the grocery store. There, if you, there is a, th- our eyes are, our heads are on a swivel all the time. Right. And there is, I describe it as, you know, there are certain guys in, in documentaries where I'm like, if you're in a bar, like people, you understand what I'm saying? A restaurant, a bar, that's the guy I'm going to have my eye on. He's not, maybe he's not loud. Uh-huh. Maybe, I, but I don't like him. Maybe he snapped at the bartender. I don't know what it is, but a, the gut feeling is that's the guy I'm going to have my eye on. And based on what you're telling me, it's Gabby thought maybe total speculation here. Okay, well, my boyfriend sucks. And the other guy I have to keep an eye on is the cop who fucking fist bumped him. And like she knows right. that there's not a safe space for her here. There's not. So it's yeah. easier to, am I going to get in trouble later when I'm at the hotel or when I'm whatever? So do I just keep my mouth shut? And do I not say anything? Because I can't have two voices against one. Because the one loud voice is bad enough. And I, I think that I think that she must have felt that she, if there was going to be charges filed, that it would be against her. Because he's you see in the body cam, he's showing the cop his 
scratch marks and, and claw marks yeah, and she's stuff crazy. like that. she's crazy. She's hysterical. I mean, look at her. She's crying. And it's like, oh, my right. God, of course she is. She's terrified. But like this weaponized, these weaponized tears, like, oh, my God. Yeah. And, and it's one thing you know, along the lines that you just said, like my wife has, has said, I've, I've seen her in arguments with people on social media about you know what it's like to be a woman. And she's, she's, she always says, like, a man will never know what it's like to be terrified walking out to your car because there's no street light, because there's no lights in the parking lot. Never. She's 100%. What, what's it like to wear headphones at night? What do you guys have stuff in your ears when you're walking at night? You know what I wouldn't give to yeah. be able to like, oh, like, wow, what a full moon. What a beautiful night to walk by myself. Absolutely. Like never, never. Right. And, and the, that cop kind of like personified that, that whole thing. Like he just, he, he just, he blew her off. He treated Brian like a victim. Yeah. And, she's and in then, the backseat like she's a criminal, a, like she did something wrong. Like Jesus. Yeah. And then does everybody a favor. By saying I'm not going to file charges to separate for the night, so that's August 12th. Then, uh, and the officer wrote in his report that he didn't think it was a domestic violence. He said that he thought it was a mental health crisis. Essentially, saying, you know, so like let's you said, leave her alone in the trailer because it's a mental health crisis. Right. Let's put him up. Oh, right. Bob, yep. Jesus. Ooh, okay. So then they maintain regular. Twelve days go by. At that point, so they're in Moab, Utah. On August 24th, Gabby FaceTimes with her mother, and she says that they're leaving Utah and they're heading to the Teton Range in Wyoming. So she's everything's good then, on the at least for as far as her family knows. The next day, uh, there's multiple texts between Gabby and her family, and at this point, they think that she's now in Teton in Wyoming uh, because that's what she's saying. And then the 27th, so that's two days later, she has more texts back and forth. Indicating she's still in Teton with her family or uh, to her family that she's still there with Brian in Teton and everything's all good. The 27th is the last time we think anyone ever heard from her. So on the 30th of August, three days later, the family receives the last text they ever got from her phone and it says no service in Yosemite. So for those of you that, that and that, that's what she said, and, and they immediately thought that's this text wasn't from her, mm -hmm. but they weren't they weren't sure about it. Um, cause it seems, you know, when you're traveling around that far that all of a sudden you have absolutely no service. Um, as it turns out, I think we can now definitively say it wasn't her. Cause those of you that don't know geography, Yosemite is in California and we know now, well, we 99% know now that Gabby never left Wyoming. Mm -hmm. Uh, so that was not her. So because of that, it seems as though Gabby was murdered between, or she died at this point, we don't really know too many details. I don't want to speculate too much, but I'm going to speculate some. Um, but it seems like she she probably died between the 27th and the 30th. Because the 27th, we know she's alive. She's talking to her family. The 30th, there's a text from her phone that says she's in California when clearly she's not. So it's somewhere between there. In September, a woman through social media, I think it was through TikTok, comes forward and says that she had actually picked Brian up. He was hitchhiking in Coulter Bay, Wyoming. Uh, she says that happened on August 29th. So he's not with the van. He's out hitchhiking somewhere, says that he was camping. He wants them to take him to Jackson. When they tell him that they're actually going to Jackson Hole, he gets mad and he gets out of the car. I thought I now, read that that was debunked today. I That's what I... It may have been. Yeah. But I, I mean, I, this, I this is like part of the bigger conversation we're going to have. I, I don't know. But I read a lot of yeah. stuff today that like maybe that was just that was not a thing. But who knows? But this is the timeline that we have now. Yeah. Sorry. 
Yeah, it could have been. This is literally I just took off yeah. of the I think it was um the Times or somebody that had wrote up this timeline. But it was written up yesterday, so that could be true. Like I said, it's ever changing. What we do know is on September first, Brian shows back up at his parents' house in Florida with Gabby's van and no Gabby. And this is where Brian's parents can go fuck themselves. For sure. So yes. he shows up. So so remember, Gabby lives at that house with them. Brian shows up with her van and no Gabby. Traffic cam show that he arrived back in a town at 1026 a.m., which in, would indicate. So if he's on the 29th or 30th, if he's still in Wyoming, he gets there at 1030 in the morning. He's driving straight through the night to get there in the morning to Florida. Gabby's parents, who are, remember, in New York, they don't know anything's wrong at this point. The last text they got was that they had no service in Yosemite. So they think if that text is real, that Gabby is in California in Yosemite National Park, where there's no service, or they at least hadn't reported her missing at that point. Jump to 10 days later, on September 11th, Gabby's parents still hadn't heard from her. It had been 11 days now. So then they report her missing to the New York authorities. And uh, at that time, Brian, so remember, Brian had been at home with his family for all 10 of those days, and he made no attempt to contact Gabby's family. And so if something happened, no attempt to let them know something had happened. And wasn't he home early? Like, didn't Gabby's family think that they were going to be out on the road for another month or two? Is that right or is that wrong? Yeah. 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 No, that, that's 100% right. Yeah. They were, they were supposed to have, I think, a whole, at least a whole other month of this trip. Right. And so, then he just shows back up. Right. And then no, at his parents' house. No service in Yosemite, which, I mean, they don't, they didn't have the, yeah. Okay. I see. Just got it. Yeah. So they, so, so they're thinking her parents who live in New York, are thinking they're in California and they have no cell service. So, you know, if, if a couple days, all right, maybe something's, you know, maybe they really don't have service. And when they're done camping there, we'll hear from them soon. But then now 10 days go by, they still haven't heard from her. And then what we find out is, um, so, so they contact the police. And on that day, this is all September 11th, uh, the police go to Brian's home, the local Florida police go to Brian's home to speak with him. And when they go to the door, the Laundries, his parent is Brian Laundries is his last name. His parents or whoever just give them, the police, the information for Brian's attorney and refuse to speak to him. We find out a couple days later on September 16th, Gabby's family has a news conference where they're literally through the news conference pleading to the Laundries to tell them where their daughter is. And in that news conference, they also reveal that they had been reaching out to Brian's parents during those 10 days. While Brian was there with the car, asking them where Gabby was, and they refused to answer. It does. It, it wasn't clear whether they even told them that Brian was home at that point. I don't think anybody knew that Brian was home until September 11th. Oh, when I didn't know that. There. I didn't know that Gabby's family was actively trying to reach out to Brian or or any contacts to try to find her before they filed the missing person. Oh my God. Oh. Yeah, from the, the from the source I have here, it says that it was during the first week of September that they they kept reaching out to Brian's parents. I, I don't know. I, 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 there's no context whether they were asking, "Did you have you heard from them, or do you know where she is, or anything?" But it says that they kept asking about her whereabouts and that they kept refusing to answer. I don't. Th I get the impression that they didn't tell Gabby's parents that Brian was there with the van. Well, matter of fact, I'm certain of it. They yeah. wouldn't have waited another five yeah. days to to call the police. Then on September 16th, the Laundries call the police and ask them to come to their house because they want to talk. 
So when the police show up, all they talk about is they inform them that they haven't seen Brian since the 14th, which was three days earlier, saying he had, he had taken off and he left. So then the next day, now the FBI is involved in this. It's becoming a nation. And now, and this is the point where now it's, it's, this has hit the, hit the airwaves. It's all over social media. It's all over the news. Everybody in the world is looking for Gabby and uh, the FBI, the FBI is involved, but now they're looking for two people because they're looking for around the Grand Teton area in Wyoming. They think is their best, their best location for Gabby. Uh, they're doing ground search there, which I'm assuming they're probably using helicopters, drones, whatever to search because it's a massive area. Uh, and then they're also looking at a place called the Carlton Reserve in Florida, which is a big nature preserve with 80 miles of hiking trails. They think that's where Brian went. Uh, and by the way, they, they spent several days looking there and they never, they still haven't found Brian. And then on September 19th, so as of the, this recording was just two days ago, it was announced by the FBI had found human remains in Teton, Wyoming exactly where they thought that that Gabby was and they they have not confirmed that it is Gabby they said that the the body matched her description uh but they need the coroner's report to confirm but they did, he, the FBI did open the press conference by offering condolences to the Petitos so it's it's it, it's it's essentially assumed at this point without confirmation that that is Gabby's body and then uh, just yesterday, September 20th, it'll be a few days ago when you guys hear this, the FBI questioned Brian's parents. They removed them from the home. They went in with a search warrant and spent several hours searching their home. And that's where things stand as of right now at the time of this recording, which we're recording this on Tuesday. So what do you think? I might pour myself a glass of wine, Bob, before we get into this. I mean, gee, I mean what do I think? <laughs> uh God, where do I start? The misogyny or the white woman, the missing white woman syndrome or uh, the fact that there are not enough women in law enforcement to get. I mean, I mean, you, this is your show. So you tell me how you want to start. No, it's all you. They, they, they told me they want to hear from you. Your soapbox. Jesus Christ. Um, you know, I think it's the thing that's really shitty is that, you know, there's been this is not the shitty part, but there's been a lot of backlash on the the true crime world right now and also a couple of weeks before this there were um bones found in new hampshire which means that someone mm -hmm. perished there and there was a whole thing where the true crime community was like if you're in the true crime world you know we're real psyched it could be maura murray and i'm like oh god okay well excited is not the word mm, i'm gonna use right. because either a family who's been dealing with something for 17 years is going to get closure or there's a new investigation that needs to start. That's number one. Right. So this has all been kind of the same thing for me where it's like, it's a, this is a horrifying story and it is so sad and scary to think about that. Like, God, like we still have so far to go that there is like footage of a young woman who may or may not be going through a mental health crisis, but it's like, she sleeps in the van. He gets the hotel room. She's hysterical. He gets the fist bump. It's all, it's like so much of the same thing. And now just imagine if there are women who are not white and guess what? You don't have to imagine it. It happens all the time. So the white, the missing white woman syndrome is real. 
But what's shitty about it is that like every single story of of a woman who needs help in any way, whether she's too hysterical, if a woman is missing, if a woman is raped, if a if a woman is murdered, the pretty white women get all of the attention. And I just feel like there's a lot of attention to go around. Like the big statistic is that there were, you know, Gabby was found in Wyoming, right? So mm-hmm. it's like the big statistic that we're talking about, right or wrong, is that 710 indigenous women, mostly girls like underage, have gone missing in the last 10 years just in that area alone. So the numbers. I just like it's a weird thing to wish, right? Like I wish like we were talking about this all the time. And I know that mm-hmm. makes it a really shitty world, but guess what? That's where we live. So like I like the fact like we should be talking about more cases. Men, women, spe- like people of color, like no one gives a shit at all. And it's like we're seeing we're seeing it in real time where it's like, okay, she tried it's 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 a hard thing to talk about. It's a hard thing to articulate. I do not think I'm qualified to do so, but I do think that if I'm here and I'm in front of a microphone, it needs to be said that the world is wide enough to care about all of it, but it needs to be addressed that there's now an entire, like the FBI and all of these people are looking for what, Brandon, Brendan, Brian, what's his name? Whatever. Brian? Yeah, Brian. Where there are families, just like Gabby's family, all over the country and the world who have just been told, like, you know, they're runaways or, well, she did drugs or, you know, or, well, she, uh, you know, or just not even an answer, not even answer like a like a like a I'm saying to my husband, Mike, like indigenous women and black women, this like Google it. The statistics are horrifying. And there's something about the media and the coverage and this like true crime world where it's like because Gabby is is pretty and white, we care about her more. And I guess I'm wondering like why we can't also care about the over 700 indigenous women who went missing in that area alone. Like do I'm bad at math, but do the math. There are thousands of right. people who deserve this attention. And I, I just I, I don't understand why we can't do it all. I just don't get it. It, it could make such a huge difference. And, and, and we I, I'm sure I, I know you guys, we've talked about it, that you, you guys struggle with on um, True Crime Obsessed, too, because you want to cover these cases. But we're essentially secondary outlets, right? Because for the most part, we are, especially when you're covering documentaries, no one's doing documentaries on these cases. And, and for me, when I'm having, you know, I need advocates to be pitching cases to me. And, 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 and in so many cases, it's just not happening. They don't have that support. They don't have that attention. And, and that, that's what needs to change. The, you gave me an, I'm going to talk to you off the air. I have a, I have a really good idea. Great. Um, all of a sudden, cause you're getting me all fired up. Great. Um, but, but, happy but, to help. <laughs> but, you know, we just had, so, so my, my guest last week is somebody who is, is creating, um, software, crowdsourcing software. I, I don't know. I don't know if you watched the show Clickbait. No, I ha- it's on my. I have. I have so much to watch, but I Clickbait is on my list, but I haven't watched it yet. Yeah. So th- this is not um, what he developed, but in that they're using like an app where people are able to like 
track people and you know like crowd solve oh, great. these cases or or not so great like you got to be careful with that too yeah Some, somebody tweeted at me after he aired and he and he, and he put the uh the guy from Jurassic Park Jeff Goldblum up and, and it said <laughs> it's kind of like Jurassic Park like we were so busy wondering if we could no one ever asked if we should oh i was going to say like life but, will find a way like justice will yeah. find a way <laughs> yeah but it, like for certain things, like listening for looking for missing person stuff, like he's developed like in, incredible software that actually connects people who you know have connections, whether they went to school together, whatever, to help locate people. Anyway, not to not to necessarily say that that would be the, like the perfect fit for this, but I'm saying that there's there's things being done where where people can be involved to help find people. You know, Gabby because of the attention they found her. What are the odds they would have found her if she was? One of these indigenous women right. from the area. We can tell you what the odds are. It's what zero and seven fifty or whatever. You know, like right. because they're not looking for it. And uh, but imagine if there was if there was attention on that, and there was, and they were running these this ground surveillance and the and the drones and the helicopters and right. stuff every time one of them. And we went have missing. John Douglas on MSNBC or whatever talking about it. Like like let's let let's like give everyone an audience. Like I feel like the, yeah. these news play these news outlets don't think like. Stop talking about ratings. Stop worrying about it because, like, just get the stories out there. Oh my God. Again, like I was saying about the West Memphis Three case, in the most cynical way, what a hero you could be if suddenly MSNBC right. is like, you know, what we're going to do for a week is only talk about 24, their 24 hour news station. Just do that for, tw- for a week. For a week. Like, what right. the, uh, like the power these people have and they're just not using it. Yeah. And, and to, to put it out there, and the, and the result is, I'm getting it. If we gave them the attention, if we started finding people when they were going missing, and and if we actually catch the fuckers that are taking them yeah. and doing it, you could actually solve the problem. You don't you don't kidnap, take into sex trades, or whatever is happening to these women. Seven hundred and fifty seven hundred and fifty different people didn't do that. Right, right. Somebody is doing it repeatedly, over and over and over and over again. And they're able to get away with it because nobody's looking. And we are perpetuating that cycle because they know nobody cares. That's the problem. Right. And like for True Crime Obsessed, I mean, I will like and I truly am grateful to have this platform to scream about it. Does it feel weird that me, a white woman, is screaming about it? Sure. Like, but it like we want to cover these stories. The first problem is there aren't enough good, well-made documentaries for us mm-hmm. to cover about these stories. On the other hand, though, we hear from people of color, women of color, black women of color telling us, I don't want you to anywhere near Khalif Browder. I don't want you to anywhere mm-hmm. near Breonna Taylor. And their point is, one, they come to our show for a little bit of levity, and two, any kind of laughter at all, even if it's about the corrupt cop right. or the shitty lawyer, is trauma. It adds to the trauma. The la- like what mm-hmm. we want to do. It's a very hard and fine line. And I'm not trying to like cry poor me. I'm just trying to explain to people out there like that. It is not for lack of trying. It is because one, the stories aren't told enough, which we really do try. I've been searching. I mean, we have a couple episodes about. Uh, missing and murdered indigenous women coming like thank god dateline did a, a special on it but it's like finally like what is it 2021 we're doing what well, finally we have like some story about the epidemic of what's happening to these women um but also we're we're listening to 
uh, our black listeners are listeners of color and we're trying to do our best. Like, so we try to tell, like we did Escape to Alcatraz, which was a 2020 special about how in like 1968, 1969, all of these indigenous people tried to take back, I mean, not even tried to, tried to, but like Alcatraz was theirs. Like the government said, the Alcatraz Mm -hmm. Island was theirs. And so it was something where it was a way to like talk about genocide without talking about genocide, where it wasn't about like, it was a story about how indigenous people of this land, we stole it from them and they're trying to get it back and the government won't give it to them. Or, you know, uh, uh, like black stories where it's, uh, we're trying to do it all and it's not for lack of trying. And I just, you know, and we're trying to listen to the people who are saying like, I, it's, it's actually a bad look for two white people to be finding jokes about these stories right. where nothing's funny. Nothing is funny about this and everything needs to change. Especially in kind of the genre you and you and Patrick are in with your show, which I, I mean, I love it. I love the show so, so much. But yeah, I could see, I could, I could see that point where that's that's not where they want the story told. Right. Yeah. And and look, I'm going to listen to the black women who are emailing us and telling us uh, what we need to do better, which we are totally listening to, and also things that they're mm-hmm. like, oh, don't listen to Twitter. Like we, it's not. We don't want to be re-traumatized when we're trying to laugh on our way to work. It's a very odd balance. Right. I feel. Uh, very weird talking about it, but we're just trying to listen to the people that we're trying to tell the stories for, you know. Yeah, and I, I th- and and I think you guys do a great job, and I think it's awesome you. that you are listening l- listening to your audience, and and you know, th- it takes a certain level of self awareness to to know that that like you know this isn't the space for that, but that, but to still have the this passion, and I'm telling you. And and it's, it's a and it's probably a good time for us to wrap this up because I want to get off the air and I've I've got a fabulous idea right. that I want to talk to you about. Um, but thank you so much, Jillian. This is this has been a great talk. You know, I love you and I love having love oh, having love you on. You, Thanks. Thank you for having me and thank you to the listeners who like wanted to hear from me. I also do want to say I want to shout out Sarah Turney who has been uh like just she's an amazing person, yes. but she's also been talking about this sort of back and forth about the backlash and the backlash about the backlash of the true crime world. Uh, and mm-hmm. uh, she, this is, of course, if you don't know Sarah Turney, please look her up. She, This is all very personal to her. So it's kind of like she is uh, such a mouthpiece for the world is wide enough, but also like, let's, you know, let's not, let's not get likes by, here's something I saw. Sorry, Bob, I'm just going to say this one more thing. Here's something I saw that really pissed me off is that people, I Googled the, uh, the press release that Gabby's uh, family's lawyer released. And it was like the, those two sentences. It was like, Gabby is missing. Brian is not missing. He's hiding or he's running like right. that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And that's like, that's kind of how you do it. That's a great, it's like a way to get for them to like get more awareness. I think it was great, but there was a, a couple days where they released that. And for the next few days after it, People are just tweeting those sentences as if it was their idea for the likes. Because it's a great tweet, right? Uh, like, no, no, no. Yeah. He's not missing. He's hiding. Or like, Gabby's missing. He's not. And it's like, please cite your sources. Like, when I see things like that, I'm like, there's like a whole, it was just like scroll, scroll. And it was like trying to claim that, quote, kind of cool, badass press release as their own. And like, that's a problem. That's a big, big, big problem for me. 
Yeah. And the, it, there, there's a lot of, I don't know what the word is for it, but it, but to me, it feels like a lot of people, I, I, I call it, and it's probably, and, and this is probably triggering for some people, but the, the, the term virtue signaling for me is like, they're, it's I, in it for I, the clout. They're in it for the likes. And it's like, I mean, yeah. you could say that just retweet the lawyer or the, you know, just yeah. say like the, whatever, but like to, to, to try to make it seem like you came up with that is like, is real shitty. Well, and, 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 and what I'm getting at is, yeah, they're that they're just to get the likes or just to get the followers or whatever, whatever their thing is. But they're also trying, trying to like, I need, I need people to care. I need, I need, I need, I need people to care more than they're interested in trying to make you think they care. If that makes sense. Uh, 1000%. And then, and then I get DMS where it's like, why didn't you tweet about this? And I'm like, well, I don't have time to tweet about everything, but I'm donating and I'm talking to my like I'm doing work that's not on social media. Sometimes work is done off social media. Sometimes an amazing amount of work is done on it, but sometimes it's you got to you got to walk the walk. That's exactly right. And that's exactly what you do. I do want to mention too you mentioned Sarah Turney her podcast is called Voices for Justice. She's amazing. And I actually I actually did an amazing interview with Sarah for True Crime Bin. Yeah. We got all the way through it and then the day after this was a long a few months ago her lawyer emailed her and she emailed me and said, my lawyer told me that I'm not supposed to talk about the case. Oh. So we had to scrap the interview because, and if you listen to her podcast, you'll know why yeah. there's, she's involved in a case coming up, but yeah, but, but love Sarah got to hang out with her in, in, in crime con. She's amazing. Yep. And, uh, and with that, I'm going to let you go, Jillian, but thank you so much. And I would want to throw a quick shout out to listener Ellen, I believe was the first one to throw your name out there. That got everybody piling on and filling up my DMs with people and emails asking to hear from you. That's very nice. And Bob, really, thank you. And thank you again for all the work you're doing just across the board. And uh, I'm thrilled to be here. I'm around for you always. So, you know, dogs or otherwise, I'm happy to talk. Truth and Justice is an NBI Studios production and is distributed by Wondery. Produced and edited by Mike Bussing, and all music for the show was created and composed by PutThemInASong.com. Our follow-up logo was created by Zach Weaver, and all of our font across all of our logos and banners were created by Tate Krupa of Red Swan Graphic Design. You can find more of Tate's work on Etsy. Thank you to Katie Ross of CreatedInTandem.com for designing, creating, managing, and maintaining our website, Truth and Justice Pod, where you can view all photos and documents discussed in every episode. And a big thank you to our transcription team, Pamela Westby, Kathy McElhaney, Charlena White, Kay Wood Yamnick, Ginger Fiola, Edith Swanneck, Lindsay Pease, Erica Cantor, and Jen Reese Incandela. And as always, thank you to all of you for all of your engagement and support. If you like the show and you'd really like to support us, you can do so in a number of ways. To financially support the show, you can go to patreon.com slash truthandjustice. On the Patreon page, you can pledge as little as $3 a month, and we also have reward levels on Patreon that include access to behind-the-scene videos of the tapings of our Friday follow-up episodes, ad-free versions of all of our episodes, Truth and Justice Army t-shirts and hats, and even the opportunity to co-host one of our Friday follow-up episodes. You can also help us out by going to iTunes and leaving us a 5-star rating and review. And lastly, you can always support us by supporting the companies that sponsor this program. If you have a new case that you'd like us to consider for future seasons, you can submit your cases on our website, Truth and Justice Pod. 
Just click the case submission button and fill out the form. And the most important thing that you can do is engage in the investigations. You can keep in touch with us through our email at theories at truthandjusticepod.com. You can like our Facebook page or join in on the conversation on the Truth and Justice Podcast fans page. For all of you tweeters, you can connect with us on Twitter at TruthJusticePod. To follow our personal accounts on social media, I can be found at BobRuffTruth. Mike can be found at MurbGaming, M-U-R-R-B-G-A-M-I-N-G. And Zach is at Z to the Q. And don't forget that we always have our 24-7 voicemail line open for questions, comments, and tips on our cases. That phone number is 269-224-2833. However you do it, stay engaged, stay in touch. But as for now, we're signing off. I'm Bob Ruff. I'm Zach Weaver. And I'm Mike Bussing. And this has been Truth and Justice.